We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? I had to make sure my mic was actually flipped back over. <laughs> Welcome to Jack Ramsey's Danny Morang, Brandon Sprague. Uh, first of all, yes, I'm alive. I'm okay. Everything's going all right. Obviously, we didn't do this show on Sunday because, well, I was recovering from a extended stay in the hospital. Um, I'm I'm doing okay for everybody who thank you for everybody for reaching out. I got a billion messages, um, texts, DMs tweets everything I, I tried to make sure i responded or acknowledged all of you um it was uh pretty outrageous the amount of support so thank you thank you all for that um quick notes i'm feeling just fine so for everybody who was wondering like you guys saw me quite literally before i went into the doctor brandon and i did the show on thursday um <laughs> <laughs> so um but long story short um I had a bunch of blood tests done, and my body showed signs of a cardiac event. Uh, serious enough that they were very worried. Um, my blood pressure was basically double what it should be. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a lot. So it's um, it's a process, but I never felt anything. I never like was like really freaking out outside of the uh, the alarms going off inside the emergency room when, when I guess a helicopter caught fire on the roof. Jesus. Yeah, that's what they said. So that was wow. that was a little interesting, but I feel great. Um, just got done with day one of my dream job here. Uh, obviously, working with or not with, but alongside Brandon at 1080, Dust, Danny and Dusty, officially debuted today from noon to three, and then we'll be there uh, every day until they get rid of me. So hopefully, it's not. A, hopefully, it's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, you never know in radio, you know. Yeah, you never. And it's a good thing I got that that digital manager position behind it too. Um, but again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate you. We love you. Um, I love you guys. I know Brandon does too. But I just want to take a minute and say thank you guys for that. Without um, further ado, though, Danny, Brandon, back for Jack Ramsey's. We didn't do the show on Sunday. Not really a mailbag show. It's more of a. Uh, State of the Blazers, because we, we keep saying August 1st, August 1st, August 1st. But let's, so let's check in. Let's check yeah. in and see where we're at. Brandon, I, I haven't had a chance. I mean, you and I have talked. We haven't had a chance to talk publicly about what we'll, we'll – the rundown here says the Jody Allen statement first. But I want to get your your thoughts on um, Gary Payton II, your, your Oregon State beef uh, officially signing with the team, because that happened, obviously, while I was in the hospital. 
Uh, yeah, well, let's not bury the lead here too much here. Like, I, I know you're good and you're fine and let's move on and yada, yada, yada. It's pretty wild to do a podcast with somebody and then 20 minutes after you're done doing the podcast, you're like, yeah, let's see if any NBA news happens. No, no, no. Hey, guys, I almost just died of a heart attack. Um, what? Like, that's a pretty wild thing to, like, say that's what's happening in your life right now. And yeah. then I thought, I only thought this because I, I feel like I know you just well enough to think this. And I thought this sick son of a bitch is going to die right before he starts his dream job. And right as we, the we, and we talked about this, like the irony of it all was just so, so dumb. Well, I'm glad you're okay. Um, you know, obviously we missed the pod. I was actually, this more me this weekend than it was Danny. Danny is such a psychopath. He texted me from the hospital said, so we good to go tomorrow? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I went to the coast and had some beach time for the 4th of July fun. I love the beach. Um, so sue me. But I'm glad you're okay. I, I listened to about half the show today. It's all my schedule would allow, but it was the first hour and a half. It, I was pumped to hear you on there with, with Dusty you, doing your thing. And so I'm happy. And every single day, don't get me wrong here, every single morning that I walk up to that building, the minute that key fob beeps, I go, not yet. <laughs> not yet. And I walk in and I get ready to do my radio show because you just never know. This business is that brutal. Yeah, because um, until today, I had to be like, I had to text or call somebody, hey, can you come let me in? So yeah. um, I, I, I'm all fobbed up now. And so I was able right. to, to walk in all by my own. And I've, I felt so grown up. Um. GP2, let's start. Yeah. Let's start with GP2. I was through the roof on this. Um, I didn't know this was a possibility for them. I didn't know they were sniffing in this direction. I you kinda, and I had talked a ton about Bruce Brown, not Bruce GP2. Brown. And, and to me, I was just reading tea leaves of Warrior Twitter. And Samus Findiari, who's a good friend of the show mm -hmm. and a, a great dude, does great Warrior coverage. I, I just kind of go off of him. I follow a couple other people from the Bay. He and was pretty convinced he was that they, he was staying. They all thought he was staying. That they hey, it's the Warriors. They made five hundred million dollars in revenue. They will pay this tax. They will not care. They'll keep this team together. And when it came that the Blazers were were sniffing, my eyes perked up, folks. I just want to get ahead of this now. I know he's six three, and you've probably heard this said ten thousand times. A billion times, times now. now. He plays bigger. He plays bigger. He's the tallest 6'3 player there is. This dude can guard, depending on who you play and how they play, one through four. He's that feisty. Yeah. He's that smart. He's that good with his hands. I love this pickup. We can get to some of the other stuff they've done, but just in a vacuum on GP2, I effing love it. And we get to bring back a piece. Yeah, it doesn't happen often that you get a good this. Oregon State basketball player. It's another to have him be of this caliber. I watched that dude single-handedly tear or take that uh, program back to the NCAA tournament by himself. I knew he was special then, and to see him finally catch on, and then to make the impact in the finals, and now the Blazers got a good piece like that. His defensive numbers, by the way, if you're looking at 538, Sam shot this to me, so I want to give proper credit, but his 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 overall Raptor on 538 defensively has mm -hmm. him as the sixth most efficient defensive player in the league last year. This is a real dude on that side of the ball. This is something that I, I think most Blazer fans should have been pretty happy about. So, uh, just as a heads up, I'm about three quarters of the way done with my video 
on the GP2 edition. Uh, I had to track down a, a bunch of video on him because I wasn't collecting video on GP2. I had done a little bit on, on Bruce Brown, and that was kind of where I was sitting because I had heard a couple nights before that that would be a guy that they would be interested in. And He's a little bit bigger, maybe has a little bit more offensive juice, um, but the when I heard, I want to say earlier in the afternoon, that GP was like a viable thing i started asking around that i got pretty good confirmation it's kind of funny you said you mentioned sam i texted him and said he's coming home <laughs> in fact i'd see um i actually have to pull this up because it was uh he he, he just sent me an emoji back and i'll let you figure out which which one that was the middle uh, finger one i'm hoping <laughs> <laughs> or was it the red face with the the you know explicit thing over the mouth like yeah. I can't say what I want to say. So Thursday night at seven fifteen, I texted him. He's coming home, and I was like, "That's yeah, it's gonna be a a done deal when it's all yeah. said and done." Um, but again, he plays bigger than he is. If you want to take a thirty thousand foot view for what the Blazers are trying to do right now, it is this: they need somebody that's a no bullshit point of attack defender. Period. Point blank. That is what Gary Payton II is. Can he switch on to other guys? Yes. So I've got some data here. Um, I'll, I'll include this in the in the breakdown, but I'll give you a little bit of a tease on what it is right now. Um, I, I reached out and got some second spectrum data around Gary Payton's defensive um, profile and, and, and frequencies. So I'm going to throw some numbers at you and just try to kind of process this stuff. This is, again contextual because it pertains to how Golden State attacks things. And it's something that I think it's interesting to think about how the Blazers will go about it. I think it gives you an idea of what they're looking at because the Blazers have access to this information as well. They, they understand like, the, what's going on behind it. So frequency of coverages. So I'm going to go over over ice switch under and blitz. For those over the screen, icing the screen, which is dropping back uh, free throw line extended, maybe uh, playing as a big guard in that sense. Switching, going under a screen, or blitzing, trapping the screen. So over, basically he's a chaser over the top of the screen, 33% of the time. Ice, 25% of the time. Switch, 22% of the time. Under, 12% of the time. Blitz, 6% of the time. So that gives you an idea of what the Warriors did with him. They didn't blitz all that often. They chased over the top and they, and they switched, basically, over 50% of their defensive coverage. So they played over the top of stuff and funneled things to the middle, taking away and running guys off the three-point line. That is their kind of defensive philosophy. Mm -hmm. Now, this is uh, a little extra information that I got from the guys at B-Ball Index. The, they take a lot of the second spectrum-like data, and they massage it through their own proprietary software. And they come up with a, um, a, uh, a form of what they call point saved. Basically, where does, he, where does somebody rank in a, as a percentile in a points saved category. So if you have a player scores, like offensive rating, their offensive rating is 110. That's 110 points per 100 possessions. That's kind of how it yeah. breaks out. So think of it this way. It's not an actual number, but a percentile ranking of where they sit on a points save scale. When they, they blitzed with Gary Payton, he was in the 85th percentile. When they, went, when they went over with Gary Payton, he was in the 12th percentile. When they iced, he was in the 7.5 percentile. When they switched, 95th percentile. Blitz, switch at the top of the league. So 
what that is telling you when you look at his coverages, his frequencies, as far as effectiveness, while he didn't blitz all that often, he was a monster. Mm-hmm. So if you're taking that in contextually, you put that in a, in a position for what the Blazers are looking to do. Chauncey laid this out last year. They want to play different. They want to play more aggressive. They want to get out, and they want to dictate things. Well, the first three months of the season were complete dog crap, and yeah. everybody was injured, and it didn't work. Things did not line up. I don't think Chauncey was lying to us when he said that. I nope. think what Chauncey failed to realize is just – He didn't have the horses. Yeah, and, and also just like how close that thing was to combusting yeah. because it shouldn't have been run back, and I think he realized that probably pretty quick. And I would like, imagine by, by like week six it was like – all yeah. right, we're going to go to the drop coverage, and we're going to play a lot of pick and roll. <laughs> so yeah. we're going to go with what you're familiar with. Yeah. Um, so, let's, let's again, let's go back to 30,000 feet, right? So you've got this guy who is hyper-aggressive, who is basically – I tweeted this out the other day. Since 2010, there are – what? There was four players? Andre Miller, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Robert Covington are the only players on the Trailblazers who had 96 or more steals in a season in the last 11 years. Every one of those guys did it in almost double the minutes that Gary Payton did. Yep. And we're talking, they had like one, two, three, five more steals in an entire season in double the minutes. Gary Payton II is one of the, the best steals guys in the entire league. On a per-minute production, he is in the 99th percentile. For blocks among guys his size, he is in the 99th percentile. For offensive rebound, he is in the 99th percentile. He does Draymond-esque type stuff in a smaller package while not giving you the big man, like big wing type defensive coverage, but Mm -hmm. instead at point of attack. So you use him as a screener, you use him as a short roller, you use him as a cutter. He's honestly a right now, a better corner three point shooter than Draymond. Like he's, I think he was 36.7% last year. If you look at his shot chart, there's three spots, the rim and the corners. And by the way, his effective field goal percentage was, I think, 99th percentile for guards in the NBA. And he finished 82% of his shots at the rim. Well, he's a great cutter. He's a great rebounder, putback type player. Like, he's somebody that's going to fit a mold of something we really haven't had a whole lot of. Like, that wasn't something you saw a lot from Dame. It's not a lot something you see from CJ. I think that's where he can be a lot different, even though he measures 6'3". This is where his kind of, like, making up for lack of height, this is where it comes into play. And, and I think, you know, it's not only everything you're saying numbers-wise and how good that stuff sounds. Man, it's as simple as to me. And, and I, I'm not trying to base everybody's opinions out there on seeing, like, seven tweets. I'm just – when I saw him, got, he got signed. And we, we can get to the Bruce Brown thing in a there second. Was a, there like, was a lot of another 6'3 guard stuff. Yeah. It, 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 was, it was pretty it, prevalent. It, it was a lot of that. But, like, my, my, my initial reaction, it's not just like, oh, he's an Oregon State Beaver. Oh, yay, I'm going to love him no matter what. It was initially, like – Holy crap. I watched this dude all season when he started getting regular minutes. And then I watched those NBA finals and that finals Steph was amazing. Clay had a game, you know, Dre kind of got back to who he was. Mm-hmm. That, that finals changed when Gary Payton, the second got on that court and could start helping them defensively. It just yep. did. And so I'll take a dude that can do that on that side, largely because I know the other side, they're not going to need him as much, but I know he'll slash, he'll get putbacks. But you still got Dame and you've got Ant, but this guy can give you what they lack defensively. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. 
twice a week, J.J. Reddick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So while I have and you have been championing the let's get bigger stuff, getting sure. Gary Payton is a good move. Let's look at that in isolation. Now, again, let's scroll back at the 30,000 feet. If you've got a point of attack defender and you've got a big-bodied wing defender in Jeremy Grant, you're starting to tick boxes. You're starting to make sense of like what – and you and I asked what would a grade be coming out of free agency. Yeah. They've got to pull a rabbit out of a hat to, to really send this home, which is why – in which we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Sure. But between Peyton and Grant, you're talking about two real additions that matter. They, got, they have their first point of attack defender since Wes Matthews, and it's not even debatable. <laughs> They've got their first big-bodied wing since eh, Brandon Roy. <laughs> like, if you, want, if you want to get dice – or if you want to split hairs, you want to say Nick Batum, sure. fine. Nick yeah. was a little, a little skinny then, but okay, whatever. He still played up a ton. Um, by themselves, good moves. In a team concept, good moves. The problem that I run into here is, and we'll talk about this here real quick, is they brought Drew Eubanks back as their basically de facto backup center, and that yeah. is terrifying. Yeah, I look. There, there's a lot to make of this. Um, and by the way, I know when Nurk is when Nurk is plugged in defensively, what he can mean for them in the paint. He gives them a, a baseline of success that it's pretty easy to go. Yeah, no, you're fine. Let me ask you real quick. What did you think of Bruce Brown's deal? Like what Bruce Brown ended up getting versus them deciding to go GP2? I'm not telling you it was the wrong move. Again, I'm excited about GP2, but the money's different. The years are different. What did you make of the difference between those two? I think there was certainly a um, – the trade-off there being going to Denver 
you're, you're in a much more like ready, competitive environment. I really liked that move for Denver. They look, look what Denver did. Denver's had a good offseason. They got Bruce Brown and they got KCP and they gave up some of their offense to do it. They, yep. the, they did the same thing the Blazers did. Like, but they're going to get their offense back when Murray gets to play again. You still have the league MVP, and if Porter can, get and Porter can just straight, get like, healthy, like, yeah, that's what you're counting on. You've you've Good got team. to. Uh, Quinn Better says GP is significantly better than Bruce Brown. I don't know if I'm going that far. I think they're yeah, I in the same that, but... mold of like. Did we watch Bruce Brown in the playoffs? Because he was tremendous. Yeah, He's, like. They are they are both what I would I mean uh, I think I heard Richmond call it uh, like just they're basketball players, they just are they they you can say they're a one or a two or five whatever the hell you want they are big strong just cock diesel dudes who set screens roll hard and compete their ass off defensively while being preternaturally gifted on the defensive side of the ball. Well, and if Shams's report today is correct that KD and Kyrie could be looking to go back, it makes them it makes it even more baffling why you wouldn't have Why would you why did you give that up? You didn't even they didn't even make an offer to him and that's what made you go, "Okay, they're done with that." But then maybe they're trying to replace him with Royce O'Neal. I don't know what they're doing, but um And Royce is kind of probably a little bit of an overrated defender. But uh mm-hmm. back to the Eubanks thing. I I don't yeah. want to seem like I'm crapping on Drew because he he did what what most people would not want to do last year, which which was get his ass kicked for twenty three games. Did we talk about the Nurkic deal? No, I was gonna I was gonna work okay. my way to okay. that one okay. as well. All right, sorry, uh, I just couldn't remember last no, no, no. we did. This, I just want to touch on this one real quick, and then we'll get yeah. into to Nurk. Um, you look at what Eubanks is, and you go, I like how hard he tries. I, I like how much he competes. But if we're talking at Nurk's down for 15 games and Eubanks is your starter. I'm going to get – I'm gripping the seat a little bit. Like, I'm grabbing the armrest like, oh, this could get dicey. If you have to preface it by saying, I know he tries hard. Like, <laughs> I, that kinda, I know where you're getting at. Just get to it. I get it. Mm. Um, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. I saw that, and I kind of just thought, if that's your backup big situation, yowzes. Um they still have – it seems like they still have a move that they can make. I know they got the Bledsoe contract here, a couple million, but I don't know what to make of it because while I really like Grant, I really like GP too, I just – and I like the Sim, uh, uh, Simons deal. I like I like that Ant's getting four years, mm-hmm. even though Amick wrote a thing that was like a little overpaid, and I'm like, uh, good guard play cost money in this league, yep. man. Like. I, I think it's okay to overpay a 22-year-old who you're going to have till he's 27 where you could re-up him if he loves his experience here. Not a fan of the backup big, and I'm not a fan of that Nurk contract. I'm just straight up not. And Let, I, I, let's get, let's I dive can into be convinced no, 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 if no. Joe was on the pot or something, but I, I cannot be a fan of that. Listen, uh, let's let's dive into the Nurk one because the Jubanks one is just kind of like I wanted to touch on that because – that's kind of what they did, and Trendon looks like he might actually be the honestly the de facto de facto backup big. But your de facto backup big right now is going to be your starting big in summer league. Like that's, yeah, yeah. It's a listen. I hope Trendon hits. I, I genuinely do. Like he showed some stuff last year, but man, that is that is a tough sell. That is a tough sell. Um, let's get on to the Nurk deal. Um, we had been told or I had been told over and over again that three years 54 and then the fourth year would be 
Now, what we don't have right now, because we haven't reported as 470, we don't have the options. I haven't been able to get any answers on stuff because, well, I'll just say people in NBA organizations right now are leery of co- commenting on that stuff because it's costing draft picks. Well, the Knicks are about to get hit hard. Is, is Spot Track the most up to date? Are they still even in the dark Spot on this? Tracks, they, they have some insight. They have guys yeah, in league okay. offices, but we won't know. Okay, Until, says four, it's a four-year for them. There's no option on there yet. I didn't I, know. Yeah, I think what they're operating under is what's been reported in that case. It may not have been entirely signed. Well, it can't be signed officially until the moratorium period ends. But you do understand what I'm saying as far as like where we're, we're at with the contract. I wouldn't be surprised if the deal is closer to like 15.5-16 than it is the 17.5. Yeah, I think it's backloaded. I think it. Well, goes, not just that. I think there's going to be uh, a, a ton of incentives for games played, games won. Sure, I hope so. Those kind of deals. I hope so. If it's four years flat, I will be shocked. Yeah, even with because I'm operating under the belief that it's a three, three and a one. Three and, and one. That, three with a team one, option. Team, it has to be. I mean, that's would, goes without saying. I, I just. You know, and, and I'll give you credit here. You said the number. We talked about this during the at the end of the year. You know, do you bring him back? He shut him down. There seems to be a wink, wink. Hey, we got you. No worries. I'm not an idiot, too. I know that this league operates onto the good faith kind of handshake stuff of, hey, we're hooking your guy up. Okay, great. Well, we'll help you out. Like, there's a little bit of this going on with Clutch. I think you can read those tea leaves. I and I'm not saying this plugged in in any way. I'm just trying to read tea leaves here. And it kind of feels that that's what this is because it just – it seems a bit high for me. And and honestly, it's, it's also a little too many years. I, I, I know what he can mean to them when he's playing well, but I also see this roster and the way it's taking shape. I don't see a lot of touches for this guy. And I worry the way that we've seen in years past – Maybe he gets through a whole season and God willing stays healthy and can play 26 to 31 minutes a night. I hope mm-hmm. that can be the case for him. Let's just say if high in the sky, that's what happens. I don't trust that he'll go another year with the least amount of touches, fourth amount of touches and be cool with that. And that's where I, that's where I will differ on this move. I think it's too many years. I don't trust it. I would have been perfectly okay if they took a gamble on somebody who was cheaper, but you know, again, business is business, and you had a wink and a nod, and he's Dame's friend, and, you know, he knows what's going on. He's been here, so nothing I do about it, but I just – I wasn't a big – it wasn't my favorite move that they made. Yeah. So I definitely went when – the, when the deal was reported, because I had operated on the back end when, you know, you and I were talking about salary cap stuff, that the high end that Nurk, that I had heard was 18 on the back end. Yeah. And I was like, well – well, okay, I can see it. I can see it if it's a non, if it's a non guaranteed year, um, but looking at, at how things have kind of gone, so let's kind of go through the center market real quick. Um, I, I tweeted out when, when Mo Bamba signed back with Orlando, like it was surprising that it shocked me. It wasn't surprising me that he got the full MLE. What was surprising to me was that he went back to Orlando, and because that, from all reports and everything behind the scenes, he was done there. What came out of left field, though, was Hartenstein not going back to the Clippers. And so Bamba going to the Knicks all of a sudden disappeared. And so you had Hartenstein go to the Knicks, and they got Mitch Robb for 460, which I found to be interesting as well. But there's also um, 
there's stuff around Mitch Rob. I'll just say that um, that maybe th- that, that warrants a bit of a um, a bit of a discount. Mm-hmm. And then you looked around the rest of the league and the the drop off to like the Zubachs of the world who was never going to be you know hit the market. Was, but that's still a great deal for the Clippers. Again, perfect great deal. Yeah. And so I'm a little bit surprised by the deal, but they also probably a wink yeah, wink yeah. nudge nudge agreed to this in February, but also. It kind of conflicts with what they want to do, the stated goals of playing athletic, long, switchable, mobile. Like, Yusuf Nurkic is not getting on the fast break. He's not playing hyper-aggressive. Like, I've heard him say, you know, I want to do this, or I can do this, or you need to let me do more, and all this kind of thing. I mean, the guy called me an idiot because I told him DeAndre Ayton was better than him. Like, I hope he feels, like, hyper-confident and believes in the fullest of his abilities. You, Mm -hmm. You don't get to the league without doing that. But I also look at that and go, I don't trust you. I don't trust you to stay healthy, and I don't trust you to, when you're fourth in the pecking order, to play your ass off defensively in a system that makes a ton of sense. Right. Or it doesn't make a ton of sense. So it's definitely, like, it's hard to kind of figure things out, but these are, I think, kind of the things you had to acquiesce on in order to get some stuff done. Does that, now, does that track? No, I mean, it, it, it definitely tracks. What I am curious about and something we'll never get an answer to, this is a best guess. Maybe slight delay in the signing of that deal because they're haggling over a million a year or whatever on one end of the deal. But it it had a real vibe for about 24 hours that they were. Anybody anybody want to do a S&T with us? Uh, (laughs) So I asked around about that and I I got some possibly that that was a, a situation. But I was also told after last year with what went down with Lonzo that Clutch was basically holding everything for day two. Just dominate the coverage in day just two. Just to be the day two just, Okay. Just, for whatever reason, they want to have day two to themselves. I get it. Whatever. Okay. Let me ask because, you this. Because day one last year got some teams in hot water and, and pissed some agents and some teams off. Well, but let me let me follow up. And I, I know, again, Zubac was never really going to hit the market. It was a Nick Batum situation. And maybe this is the case for this guy, too. I mean, Valachunas for two on a 30. I mean, that even to me, I was like, yes, that that's what I that's what I'd want. If we had Nurk back, that's what I was looking for. That's what I was hoping for. I'd much rather have JV. But listen, again, 336 would have been great. I'd been, I'd been, it just kind of feels like to me, Danny, it feels like they kind of bid against themselves. I did, who is giving him the money? I, I'm looking around the league and the landscape. What team was operating under the belief that they're going to give him that contract? But the flip side is they also need to have a contract valued at about that much if they are going to make a move. That's the flip side of this. They need that $18 million salary slot. And it's always, and this is the beauty, as much as I dislike that move, mm-hmm. the beauty of this that you could flip Conversely, is if this doesn't go as well in year one of this kind of rebuild, rebuild he's got model. value for two and a half years, probably as far yeah, as like it, getting it, actual return. His contract is easily. Nope. Did we did we lose Brandon? Do you guys hear Brandon? Because I can't hear him. It definitely look, sounds like he just went out. Nope. Oh, yeah, you unplugged. Wait. There you go. Now you're there. That was weird. I didn't yeah. even touch it. Uh, his contract is. It's tradable. That was my. That's yeah. my only saving grace to the whole situation. Uh, I've seen a lot of people in here mad about the Blazers not signing Isaiah Roby. <sighs> oh, the Spurs picked him up off yeah. the waivers, right? They yes. Him. And here's the thing: if you were mad about Isaiah Roby, 
I'd uh-huh. say maybe let go of the rope a little bit. Hmm. It's 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 fine. It's okay. That's just had the Blazers just picked up Isaiah Roby and stretched Bledsoe, they'd be done. That's it. No other moves. No hope of any other moves. As things sit right now, the idea of trading for somebody else, clearing just enough room, depending on how they structure uh, Peyton, Nurk, and uh, Ant's contracts, they could still figure out his ability or their ability to get probably around six and a half to seven million dollars worth of space and essentially use that six and a half million dollar TPE. Does the idea of that is that more valuable than signing a waiver wire six foot eight center? Oh yeah, I mean yes. If you, you can if you if you can do it, yeah. Yes. And if you wave and stretch blood so you can go find another backup big. Like Roby is not a he's not changing anything. Let go of that. Let go. I think to me, yeah, to me, I mean, like a lot of these guys are not changing much of no. anything. And I think the idea is that like, oh, he's so and so. It's like, yeah, the Spurs picked him up for a million dollars. So let's not act like he's out here winning you seven more games. I think what it is for a lot of people, it it, it is a size thing. Yeah. You know, I talked about wings, 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 give me more wings. You know, Joe addressed this and said this. And you kind of look at their moves and you're like six nine backup center, slower moving seven foot center when you want to play fast, athletic, up tempo. You signed a six three guy who is more diverse than I think than his height list. But like it just it, it has not been addressed, I think, the way people thought it would this year, at least so far. And I think that's where the concern with an Isaiah Roby comes in. It's not so much like, hey, Roby's gonna change everything. I think it's like, oh, an athletic six eight guy is something that like it feels like we don't have. What I would say on the roster construction thus far, it's not over yet. Uh, let's continue to give him a couple weeks. But also, I think part of this too, it, it, this was always to me going to be a two or three year build. This was not something where I thought this roster, unless they somehow shot through the moon and got an eight or an OG at a reasonable price, that was going to be drastically different to contention in a year. I think they're banking on some development here. And I, I, sadly, it's impatient as we can be on this stuff because we don't want to lose Dame. They kind of had to. Like, Nas, can we see what Nas is going to be this year? Like, how much bigger does he look? How much can he stay healthy? Uh, you mentioned trend, and I mean, we're going to get to watch him play Summer League. Maybe he dominates Summer League, right? And I just watched a video of yeah. Dame, and again, I know that age is different here, and he played four years as a great college player, but like, I'm watching Dame highlights, and Dame just dunking on dudes in Summer League, and I'm like, just throwing it out there. What if Shaden has this? You're not gonna get. You're not gonna give that dude ten to twelve minutes a game. And what if he he you know contributes on a small level? Like I just think there's a lot of moving parts with this that Joe had to operate on. And and like it or not, it it kind of is what it was unless they swung big on a trade. We've talked about that threading that needle and how it's like a, a moving target all the time. And that isn't to excuse it. No, but, no, 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 no. I don't mean that to make that an excuse. I'm just that's how I'm kind of viewing this now. Yeah. Looking at the roster. Looking at where they are right now, there's an opportunity that's still out there, and I know that sounds like an Olsheism, but knowing what I know, they're still looking at things because that's kind of what's happening around the league. I think there's been like five or six free agency signings since Friday, which means the league is sitting there. There's a lot of vet minimum guys that have not signed deals. They're sitting on the – well, a lot of this is the Kevin Durant stuff. Yes, like that's how exactly. Yeah, you, you've got KD, Kyrie, Gobert, Aiden. Like you've got – 
where everything kind of shakes out and what it means to the rest of the league. Um, right. I, I want to touch on that stuff, but you kind of dove into it a little bit there in the last part of what you said is the idea of what rotations are going to look like. And I've seen a bunch of people ask, like, what does it look like? What does it look like? What does it look like? This is my day one as it sits right now. Dame, Ant, Nas, Grant, Nurk. Nas is your starting three. As things sit right now, Josh Hart has to come off your bench because your only other ball handler right now is Josh Hart that you trust. So he's got to be a guy that comes off your bench. Otherwise, you don't have a guy, anybody else who can dribble, pass, and shoot who you who you trust to initiate your offense. So that means GP2 is your first or second guy off the bench, however you want to say it. Then after that, probably Trendon is number eight, your first real big off the bench, or Justice, however you want to. Which is another player I think gets kind of lost in the conversation. Yeah, he gets lost in the lost in the sauce for sure. And then number nine is Shaden. Yeah, I think that's how the organization views things right now. I and, and I'm, I'm going to push back a little bit, and this is no disrespect meant. Uh, Sean, incredibly dialed. He's doing a great job with the Rose uh, Rose Garden Report, mm-hmm. and he had come on my radio show and said basically seeing ant type minutes, and that's that's what it might be because of where he slots in the rotation. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to get a little more. I think he's going to get more. Minutes summer league will tell us. Summer league yeah, will. Yeah. If, if he goes out there and he has a dame, summer. I'll just tell you this: talking to a couple of players in, at practice over the last couple of days, the reports on Shaden are met with smiles and and, bright, and wide bright eyes. A lot of um, he's got something like he does stuff that you're not supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, Trendon said something along the lines of you know. Uh, you know, I, I do what I do. I grabbed a rebound, got in transition. I pushed it full court. I threw it up, and he does what he does. He threw down the lob, and he goes, and he did it big. Like, he made it look, and he, he said this big. The more I talk to Trenton, the more I like him, man. I'll just tell you that. He's just, he just <laughs> seems like a, he's just a nice dude. Um, but the way he kind of, like, lit up, like, yeah, he's got something. Um, uh, Keon said, had kind of the same thing, like, yeah, no, there's there's something there. All of the guys that we had talked to when we asked about Shaden was like, yeah, no, there's there's a reason why he's kind of sitting here in this kind of spot. I'm uh, all in on it, by the way. Like I, I don't I'm gonna ride that wheels. I'm gonna ride those wheels until they fall off the goddamn car. Like I think the kid's gonna be great. I got stuck into a rabbit hole vortex this weekend for about twenty minutes. Did you watch the PGM video? Oh, I mean, that was one of like 50 videos I found. Yeah, hell yeah, I watched the Peach Jam video. And I'm just like, you know what? Put on 15 pounds. This kid's going to effing dominate, man, and I can't wait. There's certainly something there. That I, I am absolutely stoked beyond belief for, for Summer League. But as far as the rotation goes, I think that's your, that's your nine man. If you, if, if you want to say a guy like Greg works his way into the nine or the ten man, I, I'm not going to begrudge you. Like Greg taking a big slate swade old. Uh, step up would be huge for the Blazers because he's six eight six nine. Um, one other thing of note of in, of, of interest: uh, Jabari Walker listed six nine on the Blazers workout stuff, which I found to be slightly interesting because he does mm-hmm. not look six nine. Greg looks bigger than him, uh, taller, I should say, but definitely Samaki's or Samaki. God, I'm calling him his dad already. Jabari is um, very six seven, six seven and a half, six eight. Yeah, um, okay. but. Very firmly, uh, Coach Hetzel said he's going to play the four. 
So I, I, I'm, that's one of the things I'm really looking at to see. Because the more tape I watch of him, the more I'm like, for a guy that big, because he's solid. He looks like he's about two, 225 or so. Yeah, he's good he, build. He moves. Like, he, he's got super light feet, taps his feet. He's kind of like – I mentioned it on Twitter. He's got, um, he's got like, DB feet, like, where he's just super, super quick-footed, changes yeah. directions, like, is able to move very quickly while in a stance, which most guys that big are super stiff or don't have fluid hips. That's just – he's got a real natural move to him. I think he's the kind of guy where he – I'm not saying he's going to be a star. I think he's a, the kind of guy that projects as, like – Power forward Pat Connaughton, like you just see him getting a second contract pretty easily if those okay. things, like if those tools translate, I, I see him being a viable rotation guy in the NBA, which at pick 57 is a home run of home runs, unabashedly. Um, but that's why I think I look, I look at stuff as far as like where they are right now rotation-wise. But again, I think he's going to end up getting a two-way. I don't think they're going to take the remaining money of the MLE and give it to him. They could. They could wave Bledsoe and just call it good and, and leave a two-way spot open and give him the 15th. But I think they'd like to two-way him. Um, let's get to kind of like the news, newsy news stuff here real quick. Um, this is the press release from Jody Allen today. If you guys didn't know or didn't get a chance to read it, this came out this morning. Yeah, I'm uh, sure Jody wrote this. Yeah, this is right before Dusty and I went on air, so shout out uh, the Blazers and Jody for giving us this content on my first day. Uh, as chair of both Portland Trail Blazers and the Seattle Seahawks, my long-term focus is building championship teams that our communities are proud of. Like my brother Paul, I <laughs> trust and expect our leaders and coaches to build winning teams that deliver results on and off the court and field. As we've stated before, neither of the teams is for sale, and there are no sales discussions happening. A time will come when that time when that changes, given Paul's plans to dedicate the vast majority of his wealth to philanthropy, but estates of this size and complexity can take 10 to 20 years to wind down. There is no preordained timeline which the teams must be sold. Until then, my focus, and that of our teams, is on winning. Now, Brandon, I want to preface this, or I should say follow this, by asking you two questions. Did the Seattle Seahawks get stripped down to the studs in the last six months? Some would say absolutely because you traded a franchise quarterback. Did the Portland Trailblazers get stripped down to the frame in the last five months? Uh, they were forced to. Okay. It's not voluntary. They were they were forced to. Are those teams playing, uh, paying a bunch of luxury taxes look like they're really going for it right now? Sure don't. Okay. So we can go ahead and take that shit and shoot it into the sun. Yeah, I just... I- <laughs> I about threw up my mouth when I read this press release. Like, we're going for championship stuff. Oh, really? That's why you were too cheap to buy out the general manager last year and get rid of him when you got rid of the head coach and you allowed him to go through the offseason. You ran back the same team. You ran back the same team. And, look, Chauncey might end up proving to be great. You gave him a five-year contract he's barely coached ever in his life. And then you followed that up by going up north to your football team. And instead of trying to work anything out between your quarterback and maybe choosing your quarterback over your 70-year-old head coach, you chose a 70-year-old coach and you traded your franchise quarterback. Nothing screams championship quite like that, man. Nothing screams championship quite like that. So, um, nice that we got the first official statement from her other than no comment that she gave to Jason Quick. Uh, She gave us one in their team draft video and she went, yeah! Not an official comment. That's just, 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 that's just a. No, I know. Yeah, but I know what her voice sounds like, though. I, do go. I remember it? No, no, but I have to rewatch the video and listen to it. Um, I, I, I it's kind of funny because it's a month basically after the Phil Knight stuff. 
there's nothing out there right now coming out of Fourth of July weekend. Like, I can add a great tweet. Basically, um, the my T-shirt about X is, you know, asking or answering a lot of questions about this kind of situation. It's like, why is this out there right now? Is it preempting something else, or are they just that late to react, or they just decide we need to get this out there because of another reason? And I just I look at it and I go, this is weird. Like everything well, about it is weird. Silver sent, you know, Silver talks right after the Phil Knight offer gets kind of leaked out there. And while we don't have like exacts. It basically said that we would like Phil Knight to be the owner and the Blazers to be sold. Yes, yes. Yeah, Adam Silver's basically like, yeah, she has the team. I love that she's like, 20 years. It's like bull shark. Bull shark lady, not buying it one iota. I love that Silver said that. Here's my, this is my best guess, shot in the dark. One, it'd be very Vulcan of them to respond a month later with that kind of statement, even though they kind of already responded to the offer report that was out there from Phil and the Dodger bro. Uh, This kind of screams to me, once they said, we are not interested or, or, you know, we're look, we'll look for a good deal or whatever that verbiage was, does it not scream to you that maybe Phil was like, oh, will you? Okay. And then Phil went dark and they were like, wait, we thought that that statement would motivate him to counter with like a slightly better offer. This kind of has a, uh, hey, we're, we're still here. We're, we're, we got to sell the team. We, we won't do it in 10 to 20 years. We, we still have to sell the team. 20 it kind of screams like, hey, Phil, please just give us an extra 300000 on that deal. And and we'll agree. I, I'm going to. I think I it's going to be a little bit more than that. Okay. An extra couple, 300, 300 million, perhaps. Sure. That's what, sorry. That's what I meant. I didn't mean thousand. Um, but like Gundy was like, just give her 3 billion. If you want her to go away, she ain't getting 3 billion. She ain't getting what she wants. Like, I think he's going to 2.75 split the difference. Call it good. 2.7. Be good. 2.6. Be good. Be happy. Be grateful. Go away. Uh, I, none of this felt reassuring. It made me feel worse. Um, but it screamed to me. Somebody's like, Hey, uh, you never countered in your negotiation. Uh, we're still here. Like that's all that said to me. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's pretty much it is it definitely put up a, uh, a, a flag of like, uh, cut check. <laughs> that's, that's what I got. I want out. Can't C- you tell? Cash, I want cash out. me outside. <laughs> like, I did a draft phone call and I didn't know what to say to him. I can't do this. I want out. It was like Howard Dean's. Yeah. Like, that's, that's kind of what I got out of Little that. Jed Bush. Yeah. Please offer. <laughs> when it's all said and done, I'm just gonna I'm gonna Photoshop Phil Knight on the on W's head on the mission accomplished. <laughs> Blazers accomplished. That's what I'm gonna do. Just go lean into the political memes at this point in time. Jack, Jack Ramsey's political memes. Um, but let's let's get, again. Let's, let's kind of get that out of the way. Um, Summer League. Summer League is coming up. Um, for those that don't know, I will be there. So I won't be on the show with Dusty. <laughs> Start my new show, and then I'm gone two days later. Uh, Thursday and Friday. Thursday, I'm flying down during the show. I might make make it there for a hit in the afternoon. But Thursday night, the game's at 9 o'clock, which is yeah. dumb as hell because of a influencer game. I don't know what any of that was. All I was like is like, okay, well, I'll be sure to skip your video game bullshit that you're still shoving down my throat and... Uh... I will uh, try to watch that. Is that what that is? What's the influence? Is that a real basketball game? Yeah, is- five, 5 to 6.30. It's an influencer tournament with like 40 people I don't know and then DJ Clue. I was going to say like no disrespect meant here because, you know, it's not like we're sitting here, Mr. National Podcast guys. 
I have never heard of any of those human beings. You know who DJ Clue is. No, no, no. Aside from him. Okay. I was reading the names. I'm like, who? Who? Yeah. What influencer? Is this TikTok? I'm not on TikTok. Is this? There's some of that in there, certainly. It has to be, right? Yeah. And I just, if you're not on TikTok, I guess you're not going to know any of those people. Yeah. Um, I, I want to come back to the, to the, the, the sale Jody Phil stuff here real quick. And I think this is actually really interesting. Uh, we wanted to talk about it on the show today, but we kind of ran out of time. Uh, Jeremy asked, but seriously, how much does the situation with Oregon football push Phil to make this with Portland faster than we, than we think? Like the fact that the Ducks may get left behind for a few years. Mm. I honestly, I, we talked about that when the Phil Knight stuff first came up. My thought was, listen, what's easier to do right now? Compete in the NBA on a realistic level or compete in college football? And oh yeah, Oregon is not there now. No, I'm not saying not, the, they're not there at all, and I'm not saying the Blazers are, but ownership is still the one most competitive advantage you can have outside of personnel in the NBA. And if Phil Knight came in and fully went all in, I could see them having a a situation where they're competitive. Like let's let's take a look right now. The Minnesota Timberwolves made their move, get new ownership. Go all in, and I don't know if they're a title contending team. I don't think so, mm-hmm. but they're a lot better than they've ever been outside of the Kevin Garnett years. I think and that matters. Yeah. That matters to them. No, it does. It absolutely. Yeah, I mean they got a sniff of it this year, and look how crazy they went. They almost upset Memphis in round one. It does matter. And now, look, I, I'm I know a lot of you know people out there in the league like they voiced their concerns about this deal. They gave up a haul. There's no other way around this. The beauty is, and this is where I would push back, mortgage your future. Yeah, the league blows things up in two or three years. This could very well blow up in their face. I still think Gobert could be traded in the final year of his deal. Uh, if it came to like DEFCON, whatever that is, is it three, is it one, is it five? I, I, I'm awful with military terms. But like whatever that is, you could trade Cat very easily and get some of that stuff back. I just, I, I like that they kind of shot for the moon here. Again, he's limited And they went against the grain. It went against the grain, and I think him and Cat can actually work on the court. I think Cat yeah. is a very perimeter. Cat is a seven player. foot wing. Yes, absolutely. Like that's that's what he is. Like he's not this guy who wants to like beat people up down low on both sides of the floor. Now you've got Gobert to be that. Well, and if Gobert plays as well as he did in Utah, man, and kind of bolsters them, they're defensively, a fifty plus win team. I think they could be in the top three to four yeah. in, in the West. And look, they may not be title contenders in your mind, but man, if you're hosting and you get good matchups before you know it, you're in the conference goddamn finals. Like, look at Portland. It, they, sometimes things break your way and there you are. Maybe you put up a fight. Who knows? My whole thing with this is, is the again, the idea of shifting ownership and what that can do for a franchise. Because the Timberwolves weren't crap because they just were, you know, everybody was bad at their job. They were bad because ownership was bad. And when case. ownership is bad, it goes yeah. down. Look at the the team, Washington football team, uh, Washington basketball. Team. Washington. Well, Leonsis has done like okay, I know. like they're starting to turn it, but they're still pretty crappy. Like, they they are. Like, they they've, they've made some bad choices. I cut them a little bit of slack because they did get it done with hockey and they fully invested on that side of things. Sure, but that Brad um, Beal deal, whoa. Whoa. That's that's trying honestly. Part of that is part of like building up the, the like the trust and the brand. Like, hey, we will take care of our guys, and that when you're a bad organization, sometimes you just got to pay that 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 piper for a while. Ooh. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, but again, getting I would imagine Phil Knight coming in with that ownership group, there would be no uh, expense spared. 
you would see things around this team spike. You would see growth, I think, at every level. I think you would see a G League team almost immediately. Um, I just, I look at it and go, there's really nothing about this that wouldn't see or, or wouldn't see uh, the Blazers pushed up towards the top of the league again. Because when they had Paul Allen, that was the case. We had an acronym. Spend Paul Allen's money. Spam. Yeah. Like, that was who they were. It was just. I think to your point, too, on Phil, like, I just add to the college football thing of this because it's all over the place right now. It's wild in that sport. Man, if any of these reports that came out today about an ACC alliance or Big 12, if that's where Oregon's going, that's Badania. <laughs> you, you ain't winning jack shit, bro. <laughs> the Big 10 and the SEC is leaving everybody in the dust. They'll their own playoff, yeah. and it will be the only thing on a national level that will matter. It will basically, if you're not in those two conferences, I think it's going to feel like the equivalent of winning the FCS championship. Might be a fun little cute story for you. Largely in the country, nobody will care because those two conferences are boxing everybody out. I hate it, but that's where it is. So if these reports of an ACC alliance, which, by the way, the Pac-12, you trust the Pac-12 in an alliance? <laughs> yeah, right. And they will go Big 12. So one that's going away. I will say, you want to tie this back to the NBA. Sure. The NBA is looking to become more like European soccer and create an in-season tournament where that's their acute little trophy. I'd prefer relegation. Well, listen, I think we talked about that a little bit today on the show uh, and how interesting that would make things. God, that would be fun, wouldn't it? Oh, God. I mean, (laughs) the poor king. Sacramento fans just be in a world of hurt. Um, But the flip side of this is, like, does the NBA over the next 20 years start to, like, generate value in a midseason tournament like does like an fa cup or any kind of club league cup or super league cup those kind of things do those start to gain intrinsic value more than just the nba title and i think over the first couple of years yes i think over a long haul they do over the first five six seven years no but over 20 25 years yeah i think they do Okay, maybe I'm maybe I'm an old guy and I'm sitting on a beach in a beach apartment and I'm watching. Do you think it the F, like, okay. like an, an FA Cup in, in England like was like the end all be all when there was like a, a top end like I don't I don't winner? even know what that is. So it's, so they have multiple cups. And I knew they, I knew this Premier League does something like yes. this, but I don't know anything about like so FA, you have your, you have your yeah that. so you have your Premier League title winner, which is the most sure. points for like winning in a season. There's no playoffs, you just what thirty eight games, points. But there's multiple cup runs. And in those cup runs, you have teams from all different divisions. Like a Division Five team could get on a lucky run and upset somebody in theory and make a, a, a long run. There have been, in the past, there have been lower level, lower division teams that have made deeper cup runs. They eventually get shut down. But it's exciting for the lesser teams. And I think the same thing could be true realistically in the NBA where a team like Sacramento just has been so bad for so long, but let's say they win a, a cup where they like compete against the best teams and they, they genuinely matter. I'm not saying that at some point in my life I'll change the opinion. I'm sitting here right now and in the midst You're of doing the podcast. No. Well, I'm saying like in the midst of a podcast, I'm already like, mm, I think Chet's going to be the great MVP that everybody thought he would, even though I called him. <laughs> Listen, I'll also tell you this. You don't want to see the comments right now around Chet. That's what's, that's what's great. Oh, there's, man. There's, it, it's, 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 it's pegged both ways. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. um, I'm just feeling too – and this is the ugly American in me, man. I, I hate that there's not a playoff. I know it works for them in the Premier League, and it's the biggest league of the goddamn world. Um, again, admitting that this might be amazing in 20 years, it just does nothing for me. I – 
That's I'm, it's, it's I'm so American with my sports and I don't watch European soccer that it's it's so foreign to me that it's like it's hard for my sports brain to go get excited for a midseason tournament, even though the NBA finals is three months later. I'm like, I'm just saying, I, I think it's it's it does. It does You're offer probably some, right, intri- man. some intriguing things. The Pacers, uh, and, the Kings, the Pistons, like these kinds of teams that could be up and coming, like they could that, win. That could be well, not only that, that right? could be their stepping stone because sure. they don't make it to the playoffs. But now they, they there's like a little bit of pressure, and they understand how to do these things. Anton brings up a good point. What if the midseason cup added like five million dollars in cap space for the winner? Like all of a sudden, that would start to matter. Massively. The Warriors would just keep winning everything. <laughs> well, would they? Because now they got to have guys grind during the regular season. I don't. I don't know what's even the format for the tournament. How many but games again, you got to play? Just, I'm just saying. You, know? like, you just no. I know. These, these are the kind of things that are out there. Let's let's tie this up with, with summer league real quick because I, I completely derailed this like a son of a bitch there. <laughs> um, summer league. All of the rotation level guys that were on their rookie deals last year will be at summer league. So uh, that's Brandon Williams. That's Keon Johnson. Uh, obviously, Shaden Sharp and Jabari Walker, who are the rookies right now. Uh, Trendon, uh, Watford, Greg Brown the third, Didi Luzada. Did I yeah. leave anybody off? No, I think you nailed okay. everybody. Um, in talking to Coach Hetzel, I asked him, hey, you know, what what kind of style are you hoping to play? Because obviously you've got some guys with history last year. You wanted to play, you know, or Chauncey wanted to play a certain brand of basketball, had to change some things. Like, what are you hoping to accomplish at Summer League? And he said, listen, the mission's still the same. We want to get out. We want to be aggressive. We want to be fast-paced. We want to get downhill. We want to attack. And I think... You look at that and you go, okay, are we going to see them try to really push things? Are they? Are we going to see them use their length and athleticism? Obviously, last year we had Greg Brown III out in the open court, East Bay funk dunk in a game. Are we going to get a little bit of sauce from Greg again? Is he going to try to one-up that? Is Shaden going to get out there? I asked about, about Shaden. Um, as it stands right now, it looks like uh, Keon and, and Shaden will be your wings, your two and your three. Mm. So I'd imagine that means Brandon is probably your starting point guard, Greg at the four, or Jabari, one of those two, depending on how you want to structure it, and Trenton Trenton is your five. five. Because going into next season, again, I think Trenton is probably your backup five. Well, uh, yeah. Um, So I think think the the biggest thing for people, man, and and again, let's not overlook development here and how important this can be for the players. Maybe we're not thinking as much about. It's obviously the story is Shaden. What does Shaden look like? How does Mm -hmm. Shaden play? how aggressive he's going to be. I, I think given what the does guys, that ramp look like? Yeah. And I think he's going to have some moments. I wouldn't be shocked if he had a game where he scored five points and shot one for four. I, I think because of the way the roster is, and it feels kind of weird to say this about summer league, you've got all these guys who got regular season minutes in the rotation last year, like big, heavy minutes yeah. coming in. What do you think they're going to do? You think they're going to prioritize and say, here you go, Sir Shaden. Take it all. No, they have stuff to prove too. They yeah. have things to play for. They, they want to be in the rotation too. And so, I, again, I don't think they're going to box him out or anything. I just think it's going to be a little harder for him to dominate. We talked about Dame earlier. I think it's going to be harder for him to dominate in summer league the way Dame did, because this is such a unique roster. Going, like, I legitimately give them a shot to win the whole damn thing because of the experience they have. How many other teams can we name? Were that amount of players playing in their heavy rotations? Detroit. That's it. That's it, right? D- D- Detroit is sending down. Kane's uh, not playing though. Right? He's on the he's on the list. I think he Kane plays one play. game. He I think he plays one play. game. Why? Why? Oklahoma City's playing giddy. What are we doing? I, 
What are we doing here? It's summer league. I don't league. know because they're going to play so many games that don't matter in the regular season. That That's what I'm saying. I don't get it. But but maybe they is... just send Cade down and like he's on the roster and he just sits in shorts on the bench. But but my point is but, like you fine. get my point. This is yeah. the most experienced team there's going to be at summer league. So I think it's a legit shot they can win the whole thing. And I think there's just going to be a lot of dudes putting up some good numbers or having good games, and they're going to kind of rotate through that. Yeah, I think that's so too. But I think what's going to be interesting is, do we see a little something from Keon to where you're like, hey, you know, on a certain night, maybe it's a good idea to put him out there. But do you Did see, you take a step? Yeah, I think who yeah. who shows like the the swing Greg shooting the three. The, that was to say the swing TV skills three. that could really be like something to watch. I think are on the two bigs. If you're going to give me a GP2, give me a GB3. Like, let's just do it. Let's lean into the initials and the, the, the numbers here, baby. It's – if you see some growth in Greg where you're like – because he's starting to show some flashes really in the last 10 games where you're like, oh, he's he's passing off the dribble. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Like, it wasn't uh, Anthony Simons 37 points in a, in a you know last game of the season when you're like, holy crap. And even in a meaningless game, you saw how he got it and you went, yeah, there's right, right. there's something there. Um, and again, just real quick for like things to watch for down there, guys. And this is how I watch players. This is how I scout players. And again, this always sounds like I'm sending strays on him, but you know where I'm gonna go with this. When when I watched Zach Collins in his in his first summer league, it was one of the worst summer leagues I had ever seen for a, for a lottery pick. It was a disaster. It wasn't he, Kevin McHale. It wasn't LaMarcus Aldridge nor Rasheed Wallace. <laughs> it was it was very bad. He looked lost. Mentally, he didn't look like he was ready. Physical skills didn't look like they were there. And it was very bad from the jump. But the caveat to that is most bigs typically don't look that good. Now, Chet's looking pretty good right now, but I also think yeah. Chet is 10 times the prospect Zach was. Well, um, I also just think Utah sucks. There's a, a lot of both at play. <laughs> That Utah roster right now is Basura. It is so are their jerseys. Off. Oh my god, it's very hard to watch. They're so awful. Um, but here's where you're looking at a guy like Shaden. You know who looks really good in summer leagues? Ball dominant guards or wings. Yeah. yeah. Josh Shelby, Jared Bayless, Damian Lillard, Devin Booker, Lonzo Ball, Ben Simmons, mm-hmm. all guys over the last ten years who have looked very, very good with the ball in their hand. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine. That and again, I asked Shaden, um, you know, kind of what he was, what they were working on in practice with him. I was like, "Are you working mostly on ball, off ball? What, what's kind of going on?" He's like, "I'm doing both." So I think that there's there's going to be some times of him like working off ball, working again. You you heard Trendon, or I told you about Trendon saying, you know, they're running the floor. I think you can see Shaden running the wing, initiating the offense, and working off ball. Which again, if you're if you're looking for a guy for the now and the future, his ability to fit, like if he's going to get on the floor. He's not going to be initiating. That's not what's going to happen with Shaden Sharp right now. That number one, he hasn't played against competitive basketball, so you don't know where he sits in that. But you have Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons. They're going to initiate for him. Yep. So, but if he shows he can work off ball, catch and shoot as a cutter in transition, getting them easy opportunities, those are kind of the things to watch for. Like, and not necessarily the success or not of them, but. His IQ, when to leak out, when yes. to when to cut, his feel for the game, because that's what we don't know. We don't know what his feel is, what his IQ is, how he gets around the floor because he hasn't played basketball in a year. The other part of this is what skill does he show, not just him, any guy that's out there, what is the skill that they show that is at NBA level that gets them on the floor? 
Yeah, Shaden shooting step back threes. Okay, then you're going to go, holy shit, we need to find room and space and time for a guy that can. We got to get him at least 12 minutes. We got to. Yes. We got to yes. find a way to just. Yep. Six and minutes think, a half. Figure I think the good thing out. for them is a lot hinges on all this stuff you're talking about. This is where I get a little excited about Chauncey. While I do, I'll defend Terry and say, like, that was not all Terry's fault, he got a little in his own way, right? He had his, his rotations locked in. Young guys did not sniff the, the court for about two years. I think this is where Chauncey can be different and will be different. I think if Chauncey sees this for what it is, he's like, my best bet on succeeding quickly here is going to be to play this kid and get him real minutes and let him experience some ups and some downs. I think Chauncey's going to be willing to do it. Now, again, he might be the ninth, tenth guy, but I think if he can show just enough of what you're saying, the right skill sets of what they're looking for, I definitely think he is yeah. he is going to be seeing the court because I think Chauncey's going to be willing to roll that dice. The one thing here is, please, God, don't let him be defunct at Summer League because the cascade of boos and overreactions will be insane. Oh, I you know, I'm I'm also prepared for that. Like if he goes out in game one and I'm sitting in my bed watching And goes three for eleven. Absolutely. I, I'm fully prepared for the people on Twitter that are gonna tell us what a stupid pick it was and how dumb it was to use the pick and I'm gonna sit there and roll my Should eyes. Should have taken Dyson Daniels. Dyson Daniels. Did you see that pass by Dyson Daniels? Did you see that defense he played? Yeah, I didn't see the shot though. But <laughs> I, I, I'm fully prepared for all reactions, good or bad. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, of all reactions, good and bad, thank you all for being here. We appreciate you. The comments have been flying in through the whole show. Uh, and, again, thank you all for reaching out, uh, putting your prayers up, sending me messages, all that kind of stuff. I, I, I do appreciate it. And, like I said, I try to re- reach back out to everybody. Um, as it stands right now, I'm going to try and record from down in Vegas. Uh, Brandon and I will attempt to do a show down there. Um, we will not go on Thursday, most likely, just because I'll be getting into Vegas. Um, we might go. Um, we'll see how it turns out. Um, but my laptop, my, my, my big Mac laptop took a dump. So um, <laughs> I'm trying to go to the, to the Apple Genius Store tomorrow to possibly get it fixed. Um, otherwise, I've got to use my Microsoft Surface while I'm down in Vegas, and that doesn't have nearly the capability of my, my MacBook Pro. Um, so everything will be... Uh, tuned down a little bit. Uh, it may just be audio only um, from down there, and then we'll kind of figure some stuff out. But um, we will we will figure something out uh, and, and get it done. But, again, thank you all. We appreciate you. Um, like, rate, review, subscribe. Help us grow the show. We just crossed 3,600 subs on YouTube. Um, we just had our best uh, two weeks and month ever for the show, in the, in the, I guess in a little more than a year now. Uh, so thank you all for that. We, we crushed everything from views to new subscribers to uh, watch time. Um, it's been awesome. It, it's it's I, I don't want to say other than it's been humbling. So um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you all very much. Uh, and thanks for not dying. We appreciate that. Yeah, well, give it time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, 20 years, okay, do it. Keel over. But uh, keep hanging with us. So, um, again, like, rate, review, subscribe. Help us grow the show, uh, if you're watch, whether you're watching live or you're watching on the replay or listening to the podcast. Uh, if you can leave us a review on Apple, please do. It's, it helps us beat the almighty algorithm. And if you want, uh, if you can, uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. It's free. It's easy. And, again, it helps us beat the algorithm. Uh, like, rate, review, subscribe. That's how it goes. Uh, you can find us on social media at Danny Bray, at Brandon Sprague, at Jack Ramsey's. Um, and, again, you can find us wherever you get podcasts. Email the show, jackramsey's at gmail.com. For Brandon, I am Danny. Have a wonderful 
wonderful, wonderful, wonderful evening as the warm weather starts to return. Enjoy the beginnings of Summer League and get caught up in all the hype. We will talk to you hopefully on Thursday. If not, we will figure out something, and I will. we will do it when I get back. <laughs> Otherwise, take <laughs> care. Talk soon. Have a wonderful It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com